Greg, the first question I have for you is how do you remember your time in Clongus? I think you mentioned in a previous one that I've heard, you, you asked about your first day in Clongus, and I don't have a great memory of that. I was, you know, I think like a previous guest, Tony Egan, he had an elder brother in Clongus as well, and I had one. So mm. I had seen a fair bit of Clongus through visiting from time to time and Union Day, which is a day when all families kind of come up. So I had a fair amount of experience of the place and the buildings and what was what. So the first day wasn't as intimidating for me as it would have been for, for lots of lots of others who were seeing it, probably maybe for the first or second time, maybe at the entrance exam. Actually, the, about that first day, I think the, the only thing I'm very clear on is a the guy called Frank Judge, who was in our class, Frank Judge from Cross Malina. He was the first guy I met and I kind of hung around with him for the day. That's that's about as much as I can remember for the first day. That's like me and John Moore. <laughs> met John Moore, Cormac Lucy, met John O'Mahony. Mm. It's amazing. It's there's a pivotal moment mm. is the entrance exam. The first day we went there, mm. people remember it less because it got merged into the whole rudiments yeah, uh, exactly. thing. And when you look back at the, any tools or disciplines you learned from your years there that you've implemented into your life or the way you look at things? I like I, I don't have a sort of a simple answer for that one. That's mm. just, that would, we could be here for two days talking about that mm. one. But sorry, I just remembered something which is kind of relevant to this one. But when I, I went to a primary school in a place called Monolene's National School in Limerick. And just before that we ended our sixth class there, the teacher did a, a round of the class of where are you going to school next year? And it was, you know, this was a, a, a country school out in the middle of nowhere. And uh, Monolene. Bonalene National School, but the um, the answers were typically St. Munchens, uh, Christians, or C- CBS in Limerick. The part of the one, I think, uh, or it's called Reish and, and maybe St. Clements and schools like that. And it came to me and I said, Clongos. And it was kind of a strange look in the class. Anyway, and, and, and it went on and we moved on. And I heard later on that uh, one of the guys was talking to his buddies out in the in the um, in the yard later on. And he, he was shocked to hear that I was going to school in the Congo. <laughs> but... Anyway, talking about um, lessons for life and that, I could I, I could spin all kinds of yarns on that. But I think the first year in Clongus, let's just go back to, you know, because I learned different lessons at different times. The first year was a bit of survival kind of instinct. We were thrown in with a whole bunch of new people. And and even though you had another brother in yeah, Redrick, you well, felt... Yeah, yeah but that, you didn't really see him. I didn't, right. you know, there's a comfort blanket that he's in the school, I guess. But you're, you're thrust into a bunch of 65 or 70 guys and you have to sort of survive that and, mm. and nurse your way along and find friends and other friends and just evolve and you, you go, you're in your various classes and you're sitting beside people and, and you know, so it's, it's pretty tough going. And I think, you know, I, I, I wasn't overly shy, but I wasn't, I, I think I was a bit shy. So I found that as difficult as anybody else. And it really is a bit of a, you know, it is a bit of survival there, but, but we, we got through it. I, like, I think I was one of them. I'm sure I had sort of sobbing moments in the first few weeks, but there were loads of guys who were sort of crying in in the corner or in the loo. Oh, yeah. I mean, I struggled to well beyond Christmas, I'd say. Yeah, and, and that that was very common. So it was hard. And the other thing about Clongos too that people probably have forgotten about, like this this was this was a different time. This is the early seventies, and corporal punishment was still there. And the style of the place it was it was very discipline oriented. It was a bit scary, it's, and I don't mean everything about it was scary, but elements of it were scary, and some of the people in it were scary. And that was like, totally acceptable in those days. Like, there were teachers that were yeah you know, were tough on, on us, and they didn't take any any BS at all. And there was the, you know, say the corporal punishment, there was, you know, if you did, if you were messing, you did stuff not to standard, you were going to get the pandy bat. And uh, that wasn't very pleasant, but it was just accepted. And, and some people probably got it more than others, but certainly in my memory of the pandy bat, whenever I got it, I probably deserved it. 
So I, I didn't feel, sometimes I hear people hanging on to things like that for years afterwards. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly don't. I, I think if I got that and I did, I deserved it, you know, so that it didn't leave any great scar on me. But it was a place that very discipline oriented, very ordered at your whole day. I hear professional rugby players talking now about the phenomenon of retiring and then losing all the order to their day. Like we had total order to yeah. our day. There was a bell at 7.30 in the morning and a sequence of bells after that that went on for breakfast, for break, for lunch, for the end of lunch, for afternoon, for recreation and sport at four o'clock and then for dinner uh, or for, uh, and then for study and then the end of study. And like there was a load of bells and we, we kind of jumped. Oh, absolutely. I remember going to UCD the first year and there was no bells and you get disoriented. You're not sure where you're supposed to be. Absolutely. So... That there, so I think that sort of survival and that understanding you're coming from your own house where you have total freedoms to do what you like and when you like pretty much, even though in those days, you know, home life was kind of disciplined as well, much more so than it is mm. now, I think. So so that was the first part. The, in, you know, and, and I don't, I, I have very, very fond memories. I think my overall memories of Clongas are really good because the last few years, I think I really enjoyed. I was kind of more grown up and able to enjoy it. I had established relationships with people. And the last few years gloss over the early years in many ways? Does does your memory play tricks on you? Uh, you remember the good bits and forget maybe ah, yeah, the less look, good bits. But I was thinking, you, you, you said you were going to ask a question like that, but n- nothing, like I worked in, in the same place for nearly 25 years in NCB in Dublin and, you know, all of that wasn't good. There were plenty of bad bits in that, but like I would... I I would say I loved it. Of course, I loved it a lot. And and when I look back, and it's very fondly, you know, I, I don't break it down into the components that were good and yeah. bad. But I think the sort of the last few years when when we had really established relationships, you know, and this, you know, you're, you're asking me here today, not sure where you're picking me up, but I guess the rugby thing has something to do with it. We did have a, a rugby success. At, uh, in 1978, which was, it was unusual. It, it's not it was that unusual. pretty un- historic. First yeah. win in 52 years. Yeah, and, and that, was, that was, it's kind of hard to explain that at that time because since then, Clongus have done very well and punching well above their weight and they've won the Schools Cup several times since then. But at that time, we would have grown up on a sort of diet of no success and there hadn't been any visible success. A famine. A famine, yeah, 52 years. And so we weren't necessarily hardwired to win things and the culture wasn't... You wouldn't have called it a winning culture, and um, and that was what we we learned our rugby and and and, and so this is another learning thing as well. And you you know losing can often be quite a good thing for you on your journey, but we we certainly learned to lose pretty well. And it was kind of extraordinary looking back on it how we gathered together our limited resources and actually won a Leinster School Senior Cup. It's actually hard to believe how we did it. But and I've you know I've gone on the record many times as saying this and. It, the risk of boring people but like Michael Shield, Father Michael Shield, SJ his arrival in Clongo is really there's some fabulous priests and staff throughout my time there I had too many to mention but Michael Shield was so prominent that he's worthy of mention that he definitely had a huge cultural uh, impact on the um, on the school not just on the rugby field off the rugby field as well mm. and he really made things happen that I don't think were going to happen if he wasn't there. So he's, a, you know, with companies, the CEO and the management, they're the ones that decide whether the company's going to be successful or not. And, and Michael Shields' uh, arrival and stewardship of the rugby team gave us a chance that we were never really going to have, I don't think. And, and not to exclude Vinnie Murray. And Vinnie went on perhaps even to make a bigger great contribution. Heights, great heights, yeah. But at that time, Vinnie was very limited in his rugby experience. Sorry, the late, great Vinnie. Yeah. So he was very limited and uh, he learned a lot from Michael and, and carried it on. But I think that memory, that was such a special achievement really for us that it, you know, that clearly colours everything when you mm. look back because it was it was amazing that we did it. And I'd be very surprised, all the guys who were, you know, one of our 
team isn't with us anymore. Mark Atroyd, who's a fantastic guy, died a few years ago of motor neurone disease. But everybody else is alive. And I'm, I'd find it difficult to, to, if they were asked what was the best achievement of their life, mm. find it very difficult not to say that because it was, you know, it was, it was an Everest in our world and we climbed it and we got there and we did it. So that was very special and, you know, it's a great lifetime memory. We'll never forget that. But that, as I say, has coloured, you know, some other views about Clongas. But it, yeah, but in fairness, I think the year, I mean, I wasn't, I was on panel one at best, but I didn't play. But I think the the energy generated as as a group for the greater group mm. moved that rhetoric year to yeah. places it mightn't have believed it yes, could go. Absolutely. Now some people may feel in hindsight it was over the top, but I think in general it was a it lifted all boats. It seemed yeah. unless I'm totally misguided. No, I I don't I don't think it was over the top. I think it might have seemed a little bit over the top because we hadn't any success to celebrate prior to that right. in our time. So I remember very clearly. I, I won't mention names, but. Two of our team after the Schools Cup final on November or March 17, 1978, got the bus home. They got on a bus and went home. Like there, there wasn't anything organised as such. They had their bags and they just won a Schools Cup medal and they went home. So Clongas wasn't even ready to deal with that yeah. sort of stuff. It was such a surprise. But I think what happened subsequently, and I think this is very easy to see the progress of it on the rugby field because they won the Cup several times after that. And it, it would be reasonable to think that the achievement in 78 kind of opened or unlocked Absolutely. some some hang-ups on it. I think that definitely happened. But also in other ways, like non-rugby stuff, I, I think the self-esteem of the school, you know, took an upward rise for sure. Yeah. People just felt better about themselves. And I think in life, if you, whatever you set out to do, you know, whatever that goal is academically or otherwise, if you achieve it, it's very fulfilling. And it's, you know, it's it stays with you. Absolutely. I, I think... Michael Shield likes to play down the role he played. He does. But there's two people who have influenced my life in terms of the order and structure, and he's won them. Yeah. And you can't get the job done unless you're prepared. And all his notes and declamations and preparation, yeah, no. prepare to fail or fail to prepare, is something the yeah. enduring value it that is. we all benefit it from. It is. Him. And, you know, I think some people remember, you know, Michael for his rugby contribution, which was immense. But part of pretty much all of that was replicated in, in our daily lives yeah, as well. spirituality, his, yeah. his correction of our misdemeanors, that famous story going up in the bus that you will tell about what someone said out the window. And the, well, I, I won't the, tell. I, w- I won't tell it. But it was, it was uh, you know, Michael uh, basically laying down the laws to what's acceptable yeah. uh, in terms of behaviour and comments and things and what isn't. And... You know, here I am 45 years later remembering it in detail. So, you know, he definitely was just a fabulous teacher and and mentor and he got the best out of us. And I know he did it. He's been there. He's been away a little bit in Belvedere, I think, since then. But he's been been a long long time in Clongos. But, you know, so his influence is still happening. He's 85 now. So he's still there. Probably. Probably waning somewhat. but, uh, but He's doing the Camino two weeks, so he's in New York at the end amazing. of the month and uh, he was in Asutha for two weeks before that. So the last six weeks, no, he's... Yeah, and uh, I think we had him in his prime as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's probably thinking he's about 40 then. Yeah. So energy-wise, everything, he was in his prime and that prime went on and probably, you know, perhaps still goes on. And with regard to Michael or indeed in the school in general, I, I haven't had kids there, so I'm not tuned in as well as I used to be to the sort of culture of the school I was. And if down. you had sons, would you send them there? If I could afford it, I, I, if I did the numbers and the numbers weren't, absolutely would send them there. Although I'm not sure, I think your partner has a big say in that, you know, and I'm sure a lot of guys want to send their kids to school, but the wife has had no boarding school experience mm-hmm. and just finds the, the whole thing. 
Well, you also too difficult. I don't think I would send mine away if I had sons because yeah. you lose five or six years. Yeah, I know. I know. And I know. if needs must, maybe it's the right thing to do. But given a choice, I'd chicken out. Of the yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think you don't really know until it actually happens. Now, is there a piece of music that you associate with your time, your years there, well, in particular? D- there, there's certain, like there isn't one song apart from Wumba, Wumba, that is uniquely <laughs> Klongos. Uh, I know that's not what you're looking for, but actually when I hear a piece of music on the radio now, an older piece of music, I can pretty much tell you what date it's from because I, I'm immediately projected back to the year in Klongos that that music was was out. And I'm thinking, my early days, uh, I'm thinking Pink Floyd and Dark Side of the Moon and, and Led Zeppelin and Stairway to Heaven, that sort of stuff. That was playing in rec mm-hmm. rooms constantly. And when I hear it, I'm I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely taken back. Taking back to that moment. Taking back to that moment, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then later on, you know, without even thinking about it, Super Tramp was a, was a massive. Just it was played constantly. I think when we were fifth year and sixth yeah, year, yeah, those are prime, yeah. And the Eagles was another one. And the and Eagles are still going. The Eagles are still going. Yes, yeah, so it's funny that, but but you know, it's it is it's so powerful music. Is when you do, you just hear it immediately. Can mm. I actually feel like? kid again in Clongos like it's just where's the time gone it's it's incredible yeah 10cc that song uh, I'm Mandy Flyman yeah. if I hear that <laughs> it takes him back to the d- low line dorm and you're 15 again because that's yeah. when it came out it's, it's absolutely incredible that music plays yeah. a role actually uh, just you, you did ask me and I don't know it's been a sort of a rambling conversation but you asked me about the sort of values and the tools that Clongos has prepared us for you know I think there have been so many good men and women who looked after us in Klongos. And a lot of the teachings and the learnings are probably almost subliminal. We're not even, it's not like they're lecturing you how to do things. They just, they demand a sort of a, a behavioral standard and they, they kind of get it. And it might take some people more time than others, but they, they get it. And I think you can kind of nearly tell sometimes. I've been in Klongos a few times lately and you can just, you know, they conduct themselves well. There's something in the air down there, even though there are very few Jesuits around. But the, the Jesuit ethos Still there. Which is still like I, you know, going right back to the beginning, my dad went to Belvedere and I think that's the reason we lived in Limerick and, and, and he wanted to, the Jesuit education meant something to him. And I suppose there are big question marks these days. If there's very few Jesuits around. Mm. You know, Michael Sheel is, is hanging in there very yeah, well. I had lunch in the castle the other day. There's five of them in the community now. Five, you know. So it must have been 35 but, when we were. But th- that's, you know. that's a big challenge to keep that ethos going and I'd say nobody could uh, sort of sit back in their lawn and say it's so we can definitely do that it, it's it's a big challenge for Columbus to do that but having been there as I say a few times recently there's still a sort of magical feel to it it's very different I think the other thing I noticed the, just the whole vibe in the school the sort of fear dimension which was part of our education is totally gone uh, and obviously then you've got stuff like social media where the People are just, they're out every weekend as well. So it's less of a boarding school than what it was when we were there. When we were boarding, we were boarding. Eight-week terms. Yeah. It, and it was a long stint. And so in many ways, they had more access to us mm. in order to sort of get us to, to teach us and yeah. to sort of manipulate us or whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. They got, got a good run at it. It's harder now because... It's of, less of, remote, isn't it? I yeah, mean, it's, every, remote, yeah. it's physically closer. Dublin's grown. You're out more. You're, yeah. you're mixing more. There you were kind of gone for eight week yeah. terms with short midterms, yeah. uh, and it has changed. You were kind of isolated in a way, and the major could break you. Yeah. Anyway, I just had a quick look last night before I was doing this about the Jesuit values and things like that. We're never really conscious of it when we're at school, but we're looking at words like this is as per Ignatius Loyola, the, the, the boss man or the founder authenticity, integrity, courage, love, forgiveness, hope, 
healing, service, justice. Like there's a fair bit of ground covered there, but I, I actually can, with each one, I could nearly tell you a story right. or a person who relates to that. So they were really serious about it. And I owe them a huge gratitude. I, I look back massively fondly to my, from my time at Clongos. It comes up very regularly. Sometimes it comes up about rugby, sometimes not. And interestingly, I was at uh, a thing. They were organised, Tom Lane, the union president, organised a thing where guys who played for Ireland from Clongos at any stage that were alive came down to Clongos to be presented with caps. And that was a very, very thoughtful thing. But all of the guys that got the cap, you know, said a few words about what Clongos meant to them and that. And, and every one of them was, you know, they couldn't all be spoofing or faking it. Every one of them had very kind of moving thoughts about and feelings about what Clongos had, had done for them. And they were hugely appreciative of it. And, you know, many of those are young ones. You're Dan Sheehan's and Ty Burns and people like that. They're they're only out a relatively short time. So when there weren't buckets of Jesuits around. So, you know, it would appear that the Jesuit ethos is alive and reasonably well. And there's a phrase, men for others, yeah. is there anything to you? Well, I hear it a lot. You know, it's, you wouldn't be going around every day with that mantra and shaking hands with people and saying men for others. <laughs> like it's, it is, I'm sure people from other schools uh, would be Find chuckling at that. I think Gonzaga... And the other Jesuit schools, I think they have the meant for others. Yeah. Oh no, it's well. not particularly Clongos, but it's something it's Jesuit. That intuitively the Jesuits pass on. It means something to it's, each one of us. But I can't, I couldn't articulate to a third party who doesn't really understand it in but a way. Yeah, I don't think that's something you need to sort of deconstruct men for others. I it think is it's, what it is. it's just the way you behave and it's an unselfishness and a sort of caring dimension. And I think however they do it, I guess if you're a bit like, I'm a relatively new parent now and I realise the influence I have on my little kids, whether you like it or not, they're very influenced by it. We were in Clongus when we were 12 years of age and we were faced with a bunch of teachers and Jesuits who were, you know, behaving and talking and acting and doing what they're doing. And we learned a lot from them. We're not necessarily noting it every minute of every day, but behaviours and attitudes and I think they're very very balanced and they teach us how to be sort of balanced about things they teach you know I certainly made loads of mistakes and things early on in my Clongo's life which I think I kind of learned my weaknesses and improved them as I went along and they had a pretty good way of letting you know that you know you need to improve on that and actually just a little note on the debating thing I think the debating thing and I'm sure other schools do it but I think the Jesuits have a particular interest in debating like it's a huge topic really easy to avoid it when you're younger and say not for me but when you think about it, like debating is such a skill. It's obviously not a subject, it's not on the leaving cert, but debating is the core of so much in your later life from yeah, doing interviews, arguing, make, your arguing your point, being heckled, being heckled, <laughs> dealing with that, yeah. uh, job interviews, correct, best man speeches, funeral eulogies, all of that. It's you know, the, you go back, trace it back. The confidence, you debate, no? I, I once or twice, but I was really uncomfortable yeah. and r- remained uncomfortable really all through my life and still am, to be honest with you. I can get by a little bit better now, but I'm still really uncomfortable with, with all of that. And I really admire people. We had a recent podcast with Cormac Lucy, who was fantastic mm. at that. And there were was, others. Uh, David I, I actually won this. I actually won the third medal for debating. <laughs> yeah, I was very, and I gave it up after that. I just found the people thought it was your ego that was doing it. Mm. But I found it uh, very refreshing, but I was scared stiff starting out. But it was yeah. absolutely fabulous training. Godfrey Deeney and Peter Gray used to coach me. Yeah. Fergal O'Flynn, they were the rhetoric yeah. guys used to come down. Unbeknownst to me, it was a fabulous I grounding. I know. And, you know, so there we've come at them in a number of different ways, mm. but you're just going to take the package. And I'm also reminded too, Russ, of my time in Trinity and beyond in the workplace and meeting people who, you know, I think, you know, Clongos is held in pretty high regard. I think mm. so. not everybody in Clongos is perfect, obviously, but I think the 
They send didn't suit everybody. They, they send people out into the world who are who are you know reasonably well equipped. So I just thought of something else last night as well. They're not. I don't quite know now. Obviously, the leaving cert and points for the leaving cert has become a huge mm. thing. Like it always was a thing, and but in Clongos in our time, it wasn't such a thing that would. Uh, dominate teachers' minds. I think they were much more interested in a more rounded, holistic type of education and not to the extent, I was trying to think of an example of it, but I'm pretty sure this is correct, but I think John Luby, who was our English teacher, when we were in fifth year, where you're right, that's that's part of your Leaving Cert syllabus. So really, strictly speaking, you should be on everything that's on the syllabus, doing it, doing it, doing it again, and then preparing yourself for the for, for the exam. But we did a, a novel called To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm. Famous, famous book. Fantastic book. Probably never would have read it if I didn't have to do it in yeah. that. And we, we really learned a lot about that book. There's so many issues about racism and stuff like that. But that wasn't on the Leaving Cert. That's pretty gutsy when you think about yeah. it. And they weren't they weren't sort of slaves to the Leaving Cert points or re- results. As, you know, the points only came in just around when we were there. But But before that, it was just A's and B's and C's and... Honours, yeah. Honours, yeah, 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 exactly. And if I asked you to sum your years up there in kind of one word, short phrase, a term... Oh God, you should have given me a good no, three days warning on that. Um, if there is one, a word that you could sum up that time in your head, there's obviously good times. Oh, well, I think you can get from yeah, what I've from already, what I've good already said, just hugely influential on, on my life there's no doubt about it yeah. and, I, and I think to this day although I can't identify every little thing I think to this day I lean on things that I kind of learned yeah, yeah. there and that I think if I was in Clongos now or the headmaster of Clongos I'd be happy to hear that a guy gone 40 years or yeah. 45 years would, would would think of things that way but I absolutely do yeah for me it would be the friends yeah I think, yeah, yeah. I think the, my most outstanding friends who are thick and thin and long lasting and genuine mm. would be would be from Clongos Clong, yeah. yeah which is and probably, you know, we do have, I think the boarding schools have a kind of advantage that way, or certainly we did because of, again, we were locked away for a long mm-hmm. time. Like you grow up with people and you really get, you know, enduring relationships. And I'm like yourself, have, have a similar situation. And it's just so, it's really fulfilling in, in our lives to have that. Like we, not everybody has that. Here we, are have, sitting, here we are sitting absolutely. 50 years later or so talking about what it did to us. And, well, I am, I am, and probably should say this now, I meant to sort of say it at the beginning, like you've taken this on, you're, you're a Klongos ophile, that's fairly clear, and you've taken this thing on, I'm, they're, they're hardly paying you for this PR, but f- fair dues to you, you're exploring these issues with different people. I'm thinking, kind of asking similar questions and, mm. and you're getting, sort of trying to get under the bonnet of their experience in, in mm. Klongos. And I think you're probably finding similar answers. I've heard two of your podcasts so far. I don't know many you've done, but you should be finding similar things because no, like, there's a commonality. It's, it's a bit like going to a hotel and a hundred people go to a hotel and they come away and you say, "What do you think of it?" Like they, they'll probably be saying similar things. Well, you hope they are, yeah. and I think I think you're going to find that. And hopefully, in addition to that, everybody then has their own little bit of unique twist, experience and twist. Yeah. For me, it was a stabilizing influence. I've probably been at five or six schools in three mm. or four different countries. Yeah. Uh, my father had the opportunity to send his kids back and he chose Ireland even though he went to Sing Street. And to me, it really stabilised my whole thought process, personality, mm-hmm. yeah. for good or for bad. And I, I have nothing but good things to yeah. say. And I actually had to request Tigger and I, Tony O'Byrne and I had to cause a felon 
felony to get pandy because after one year I'd never been pandied yeah. in rudiments. I, never, I don't. So I was I'm so goody, sure, I'm, so goody goody. I'm not sure that's a wise thing to admit <laughs> even at this stage. Right. But but anyway, fair dues to you for for taking it on and your commitment to the cause is um, yeah, incredible. Perfect. We all love you for it. Thanks, Greg.